5: Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hey, everyone out there in the world.
5: Hey,
3: friends.
6: How's it going?
3: Or, zdrastvučja, as they would say in Russia.
6: That's right.
3: Uh, I got a Russian phrase book when I was a kid in high school, I guess. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to learn Russian from this phrase book.
6: Uh,
3: uh, and I learned, and I learned, do you speak English?
6: Well, that's useful. Uh,
3: and, uh, and if someone asked, paruski? do you speak Russian? I could say, da, nimnoga,
6: which means bit. yes,
3: a little. And by a little, I mean those three things. I know, you're like, like, probably, I should probably, probably just
6: say no, <laughs> I don't speak Russian.
3: <laughs> probably not even saying them right because it was like a phrase book with a cassette tape.
6: When I was in high school, I made a list of all the languages that I wanted to learn before I died, and it was about 17 languages long. Sure. And, yeah, Russian was on it, Chinese, Mandarin, Japanese. Anyway, I don't pick up languages very easily. It's very hard for me to learn another language. Well, It's math. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's probably why. Yeah. That's why I'm not very good at music either.
3: I, I was told that in high school, I knew these kids who were total math nerds, but they were so good at learning languages. They just burned through the AP courses of any language they took. And I think it was my French teacher was like, yeah, language is math. It's wow. formulas and, I you know, variables. Yeah. And like, you just insert this thing in place of that. And so you remember order the things order of things. Come go- yeah.
6: Well, I hate that I have such good reading comprehension because I was like, if I could read the French, I could tell you what it said and what they meant, but I can't read it. Well, (laughs) so oh well.
3: So, how far did you get in your list of seventeen languages?
6: Nowhere. I majored in English (laughs) and theater because I like "Ah." already spoke. (laughs) Exactly.
3: Well, welcome back to the show and happy New Year, everybody.
6: Yeah, coming
3: up on a whole brand new thing where everything changes. <laughs> and it's just a, a fresh start. I'll say this: here's uh, here's my little tidbit on New Year's that I kind of bring up every year. The middle of winter is a terrible time to reinvent yourself. I agree. It's not a great time to set new goals. Really, springtime
6: mm-hmm.
3: naturally—you know—it's sort of a hippy-dippy way of saying it. But you know, your natural systems, when the world is coming back, waking up, and springing back to life, mm-hmm. that's a great time to sort of. Set new a new you, yeah. get some New goals and stuff. So if you don't feel like setting a New Year's resolution and sticking to it, if that's hard for you at this time of year, try it in like April, yeah. Um, because it, it's tough right now. We're in the middle of a lot, yes. And one of those things is winter. Depending on where you are, that may mean any number of things because it's seventy degrees here.
6: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but
3: uh, but yeah, it's it's not you know it's not necessarily the best time for change just because the calendar flips over. That's true. But if you've got some stuff. I hope it's good. Mm-hmm. I hope you're able to stick with it to the degree that it makes you happy.
6: New year, mostly the same me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Do you have any resolutions like that oh, you've been thinking um, about at all? You know, I, I mean, usually don't just the any.
3: usual. I mean, I've been sitting on my butt for a long time and I like to get up and move around more. more. More than my physical appearance, though it's not my favorite version of myself right now. It's more that I'm just not comfortable in my... Very sedentary body
6: Yeah Things
3: hurt mm-hmm. Things are, I'm easily tired <laughs> And that <laughs> right. should not be That's not I'm not used to that So Just getting physical more Probably is my main thing Come Trying on. to stay more focused And all that stuff But that's a perpetual goal I wouldn't say it's like January 1st We're, we're gonna start working on it I'm mm-hmm. just always working on it Yeah What about you?
6: I hardly ever make Any New Year's resolutions Yeah Cause I feel like It's such a trap
3: well, and it's so trendy. You hate you hate what everybody else hate, is doing. I
6: hate that. If everyone <laughs> does it, I won't do it. Um, <laughs> more physicality would be nice because we have such sedentary jobs. Yep. And then also, like, and I've already been trying to do this since, basically, since 2020, I think, is just be more active about reaching out to friends and family sure, and being, sure. like, more in their lives. Yeah. Like, even if I can't be present in person, at least texting and yep. stuff just got real bad at that in yeah. the middle of 2020 and felt like, the, you know, it's just me and you, right. <laughs> like no one else in the world right, or whatever. Right. So I was just like, oh, I, I I would hate to feel like such a an accessory right. to people that I really care about. So.
3: Yeah. What's been great about this year that's ending?
6: This year's Christmas ornament, by the way, was from uh, an Etsy store called Interstate, uh-huh. and it was a, a wooden racinante mm-hmm. from The Expanse. Yep because i felt that this year was a legitimate salvage <laughs> cuz it was definitely a mess
3: <laughs> that's an inside joke for all the expanse fans yeah, out there and if you're not well you better watch the expanse so you can get our joke.
6: jokes and be our friend <laughs> <laughs> 2021 well we started the show
3: yeah that's that was... that's probably the biggest change for our our lives this year for the our biggest positive change yeah
6: and and very cool yeah i mean you know it's it's been so gratifying some of the people reaching out and some of the really moving reactions to some of our episodes yeah and that's been really powerful it's so cool to have those messages to go back to and people saying like oh my god you made me feel really seen with that episode or that's exactly my experience or you know it's whatever just you made me feel good for for a little while, those <laughs> personal reactions
3: thing. keep us going, so yeah, keep they, sending really them, do. Y'all, they, they really do. do.
6: Um, some of them we haven't shared here yet, but we will because they're incredible,
3: incredible. yeah. Uh, yeah,
6: what about you besides the show?
3: Oh, well, this year, um, you know, uh, the sun came up and went down every day, that was pretty good. <laughs> I'm always happy <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> it's a low yeah. bar.
6: It <laughs> is a pretty low bar. But I guess, you know, some people are like, I woke up today. What what I get to complain about? I'll so.
3: say, okay, on a personal level, I have let go of a lot of things and really tried to readjust my perceptions and mm-hmm. uh, and and my negativity. Because like movies, for example, mm-hmm. my mom and sister will say that I just like everything mm-hmm. and that I always have. It's inconsistent to me because other people have told me, oh, you hate everything. So whatever. But I have definitely been more deliberately approaching things I consume, movies and TV shows and games and stuff like that, with more of the idea that I want to enjoy this. I'm going to have a better time liking this than I'll have criticizing it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work for everything. There is some real trash out there that I am (laughs) none too kind to. But... Generally speaking, I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm watching a movie and I'm like, I could either scoff at this or appreciate it. And I think I'm going to flip the switch in my brain to something less cynical and just and just like it. I
6: think that's true about a lot of things. You know, it's uh, you get what you put in. Yeah. And so if you approach any situation like, well, this is going to fucking suck. Yeah, it probably will. You know, and then if you approach it like, well, this is going to. It's not what I'd like to do today, but that's what we're doing. So we're gonna make it as fun as possible. Yeah, you you probably end up being all right with it. Yeah,
3: it's true. It's so, true.
6: I feel like that's a good good uh, attitude adjustment. To well, make in your mind,
3: trying to hang on to it. Then then I'll log into Twitter and people just make me <gasps> so frustrated. And I'm like, oh no, this is the
6: whenever I get too idealistic, I just <laughs> get on Twitter and all my cynicism comes flooding back.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, just trying to. Zero in on the good stuff, yeah. Uh, when it's there, because there's there's plenty of it, and certainly in the vast array of human experiences, uh, you could be doing a lot worse than I am, uh, in very terms true. of your sort of net experience, good and bad.
6: So gratitude, yeah, and not positivity. I guess that's no, not really. What no, you're I'm talking a very about, negative just... person. <laughs> I know uh, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like a dark cloud running
3: around. Yeah, <laughs> <here>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Uh, yeah, you know, I've got my fair dose of cynicism mm-hmm. and spite and fury and rage and all those things. But, oh, uh, you know, stuff. They, they're, they're useful tools.
6: They really are. You know, y- you can, you don't... Sp- speaking of rage, that's useful. <laughs> that's a very <laughs> good <laughs> segue into our episode. Yeah,
3: that's true. That's true. Um, I think that's a good New Year's catch up. So we uh, mm-hmm. shall we get into it?
6: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It's a pretty fun story. Pretty violent and fun story today. Which is a
3: great way to close out 2021. (laughs) Why
6: not? Violent, fun. (laughs) Because today we are talking about Saint Olga and Igor of Kiev. (laughs) Olga of Kiev was a dutiful wife and mother until her husband, Prince Igor, was killed by the Drevlian tribe. Oh no. And the Drevlians thought they could simply marry Olga to their prince and then everything would be great for them. But... Olga had other and much more deadly ideas. Oh no. And after the brutal and torturous deaths that she would enact on the Drevlians, she went on to be a great ruler and then convert to Christianity and become a saint. Oh. So let's find out how she went from bloody revenge to born-again reverence. Yes, please. <laughs> hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or no romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance,
0: we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous
6: Romance.
3: A production of iHeartRadio.
6: Prince Igor the First. Oh,
3: it's not pronounced Igor? I thought it was Igor.
6: Well, you were wrong then, weren't you?
3: <laughs> oh, young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, Marty you you? for
6: everybody. Now, Prince Igor the First was the ruler of the nation of Kievan Rus, a loose federation of Slavic and Baltic towns and tribes. Modern-day Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine all claim Kievan Rus as their cultural roots. His father, Rurik... was basically the guy who founded Russia. He's like the father of Russia. Wow. Um,
3: That's quite a claim.
6: I know, right? (laughs) The whole all of Russia? You were very busy, sir. My Um, dad (laughs)
3: invented Velcro. Oh, yeah. My dad founded Russia.
6: (laughs) (laughs) But Igor was too young to rule when his father died, so his predecessor's name was Oleg. And Oleg had taken over the city of Kiev and declared it the capital of his new state, Kievan Rus. And he had subjugated a number of neighboring tribes and neighboring states like Drevlians, Dregoviches, Kriviches, Severians, and others to pay tributes and to support Kievan Rus in battle.
3: But after Oleg died and Igor came to power, the Drevlians stopped paying their tribute, instead giving it to a local warlord. Igor had been a little busy anyway for a few years waging war on Constantinople, which was the capital of the Byzantine Empire. He was winning favorable treaties, supporting the Kievan Rus' trading rights, but by 945, he was able to turn his attention back to the Drevlians, who hadn't been paying him, and they were. And he was like, you know, hey, uh, time to pay up, y'all. Yeah. Where you been? I, I know I've been busy, but that doesn't mean the checks stop coming, you right.
5: know?
6: So In send fact, it this way. More important for the checks to come while I'm out here spending yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where am I check?
3: Dealing with the Byzantines.
6: <laughs> So it's unclear how long Igor was in charge of Kievan Rus. Um, Some sources say that he ruled for over 30 years. But historian Konstantin Zuckerman has argued that that's a misinterpretation of the Byzantine sources and that he only ruled for about three years. Oh,
3: he added an extra zero.
6: Yeah, they just were like, (laughs) I think that's a zero anyway. It's probably like a coffee splotch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's borscht.
6: it's A little a little beet juice. Little borscht fell onto the parchment, and now I don't know what it says. <laughs> but three years makes more sense to us because, I don't know, if he was mad about the Drevlians not paying a tribute after Oleg died, why would he wait three decades to deal right. with
3: it? Igor the lazy.
6: Igor, yeah. Igor, Igor the, the later. Not punctual. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Igor the I'll get to it. Yeah, look. They pay their tributes 30 years, uh, lots of interest, right?
6: (laughs) Yeah, maybe that was it. He was, like, (laughs) fanny-maying it. Um, On the other hand, if he had been ruling for 30 years and he was finally getting around to it, maybe he was just like, all right, I'm old now. It's time to settle some old scores with these Drevlians, you know, that have been fucking around. Possible. But anyway, I I think it it was closer to three years. Three
3: years makes sense to me. So in the year 945... Igor got his army together and he bid his wife, Olga, and their three-year-old son, Sviatoslav, goodbye. Olga and Igor had married in 940. And if Konstantin is right about Igor's reign, that was about a year before he took power in Kievan Rus. So she was probably of Scandinavian or Viking ancestry. And ancient Russian history expert Alexei Karpov says that Olga was probably around 15 years old when Igor married her. So that means... He was already in his 60s when they got together, which is like not that uncommon for the times, as we often have to say on this show. (laughs) Back in the year 900, before they even had four digits to their year, (laughs) they were cool with this. But obviously today, a 60-something-year-old person marrying a 15-year-old is super uncomfortable.
6: Yeah, super gross.
3: So... At any rate, Olga was like in her late teens, 17 or 18 or so, when Igor left to go fight the Drevlians, Mm -hmm. get his money.
6: And Igor had a much bigger army than the Drevlians, so it didn't really take much for him to win this fight. He basically showed up and they were like half-heartedly fighting. Okay, fine, you win. (laughs) They pretty much immediately backed down and they paid their tribute Okay, and Igor and his army marched away. Done
3: and done. Yeah, dusting hands off. We got the money. What, what what else do we need? Let's no go. No big
6: deal. Yeah. It's yeah. End of story and yes. this episode will be incredibly short.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> but unfortunately, at some point, Igor started to feel like the Drevlians hadn't really paid enough.
3: Oh, no. You
6: know, maybe he was like, they should pay extra to make up for the years they hadn't paid at all. Uh-huh. Maybe he wanted to charge them interest, like you were saying. Oh, sure, is, sure, sure. He was Fannie Mae in it. <laughs> right. Maybe he's just feeling himself, and he was like, oh, I got them, so I'm going to turn around and humiliate them some more, and Uh they'll really think twice about messing with Igor. (laughs) But whatever his reasoning, he decided to turn back around and get more tribute from this tribe. He goes
3: back, and another thing. (laughs) Yeah.
6: (laughs) Matter of fact, I'm not done.
3: He's pulling a Columbo here. It's like, as just one more thing.
6: (laughs) They thought they were safe. Uh Uh-huh. But he also decided not to bring his whole army back with him. He just brought a small contingent of sure. guys.
3: Because
6: he was just like, man, you know, the Drevlians, they were basically trembling in their boots as soon as I showed <laughs> up. It won't take much to get them back on their knees and take whatever I want, right? Yeah, uh-huh. I'm Igor. I'm about to do this.
3: Mm. Greed and arrogance. Yeah, two a, a, a fruitful combination.
6: Yeah. It always history. works out always. great when those two get together.
3: Of course, he was wrong, so so wrong. The Drevlians were not down to pay him <laughs> any more tribute. They were like, we we gave you what you asked for. You can't come back and ask for more. It's not how transactions work. <laughs> yeah, and they showed it by capturing Igor and brutally killing him. <laughs> According to the Byzantine chronicler Leo the Deacon. The Drevlians, quote, bent down two birch trees to the prince's feet and tied them to his legs. They then let the trees straighten again, thus tearing the prince's body apart. Ow! Which is a straight up, oh. like, if Bugs Bunny were rated R,
6: that's that's <laughs> the kind
3: of shit he'd pull. <laughs>
6: he would totally do that to Elmer Fudd, absolutely. heinous,
3: cartoonish Hor- violence. I mean. Sproying split.
6: God. Death by tree. By trees. So yeah,
3: death by trees.
6: Just yeah, by, you're so right.
3: Just by the springy nature of birch trees. They are very springy trees. You can bend those down and they bounce, and right, they back bounce right
6: back up. They bounce right back up. Hopefully you're not attached to them when they do.
3: <laughs> or you're only attached to one. Yeah. <laughs> Now, some historians have suggested that Leo might have invented this gory death based on the story of a robber named Sinus who was killed by Theseus.
6: Mm, right? Theseus.
3: Good old Theseus and his ship. Maybe, in fact, maybe Theseus was like, oh, yeah, you'd take my boat apart and rebuild it again. And how much of it is still the same boat? But if I rip you apart. Oh, no. <laughs> How much of you is still the same?
6: We could put new limbs. Are you still you or are you a new person? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> oh, man.
3: I love WandaVision really put Ship of Theseus into the zeitgeist this, this year. Know, right?
6: <laughs> so the Drevlians are super proud about not giving in to Igor. And they knew he'd left a teenage bride back in Kievan Rus' mm. and decided that if they could get Olga to marry their prince, Maul. That would basically put the Drevlians in charge of Kiev and Rus. I mean, this is like the best case scenario for them.
3: So almost like, uh, uh, sorry, I broke your husband, mm-hmm. but I've got another one if you I want. Mean, he's we, just we're waiting We're in the happy wings. To replace him.
6: <laughs> yes. <laughs> no,
3: we ripped your guy in half. But mm-hmm. uh, how about old Mal over here? He's a <laughs> real looker. His name means bad in French. <laughs> <laughs> I was
6: about to say, I'm like, I hope that's not what it means in Drevlian. <laughs> So they sent a contingency of 20 Drevlian negotiators who took a boat to and Rus to tell Olga about Prince Mal's proposal uh-huh. and ensure that she complied with it. Oh. And they were probably like 20 of our dudes against some 17-year-old, like, no big deal. Right. So they show up. They told Olga that they'd killed Prince Igor and that she should marry Prince Maul, And she replied, quote, Your proposal is pleasing to me. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead. But I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. She told them that she would send for them the next day and that they should demand to be carried to her in their boat, refusing to go by foot or by horse. And that way, her people would carry them in their boat to her side, and it would be like this big honor, of wow. you know, to like parade them through the streets right. in this fancy way, I guess.
3: Okay, so th- th- that sounds great. They're like, she took it really well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she told us to get in the boat. We take a nice little ride. Right. They pick us up, carry us.
6: The other one was like, well, he was like old enough to be her father. <laughs> That's so. true. Maybe she's glad for another choice.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's thanking us. Yes. this makes Yes. We are always doing the right thing. We should rip more people in half. <laughs> So these 20 negotiators are super stoked, and of course, their teenage princess isn't resisting, so great news. What's she going to do anyway? Come on. She's
6: just a kid.
3: So the next day, it's just like Olga says. They show up, they stay in their boat, and the people of Kievan Rus come out, and they pick up the boat, and they carry these guys through the street. Everyone's waving. Mm -hmm. They're having a little ticker tape. There's a big, like, uh, Garfield balloon (laughs) floating behind them.
6: (laughs) There it is. Uh, (laughs) There's a guy with a microphone like, Can you believe the jubilance in the streets today?
3: Exactly. Yeah, Mariah Carey out there singing. (laughs) But when they arrive at their destination, it wasn't Olga's palace. It was a deep ditch that Olga had ordered dug the night before. The Kievan Rus people pitched the boat over with the 20 ambassadors on board into the ditch, and they began to fill it in, burying them alive. In the medieval history Primary Chronicle, Nestor the monk wrote that Olga supposedly leaned over the side and, quote, inquired whether they found the honor to their taste. Ooh,
6: (laughs) the shade. (laughs) Yeah, she was like, hey, I'm uh, not too familiar with Drevlian customs. Apparently, you greeted my husband by tearing him in two. So is this the way you'll say hello or am I mispronouncing?
3: <laughs> then I'm like, no, this is...
6: <laughs> oh, no, can't hear you. I guess I'm doing great. Bye.
3: Oh, damn.
6: Dark. Harsh. Harsh.
3: Hey, you... you you rip a woman's husband in half and what do you expect?
6: Hell half no fury like a woman whose husband's <laughs> been ripped in half.
3: <laughs> but hey, this wasn't it. Y'all, she was not done not with the Drevlians. Close. So let's find out how she next took revenge right after this.
4: Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments.
2: The last
3: couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I
1: think we both are. I think We both were barely holding on.
3: Mm.
1: Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change.
3: True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become.
1: Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And welcome back to the show, my
6: pretties.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My pretties. I don't know why my Russian guy is also the Wicked Witch of the West. My pretties. Welcome back to the show.
6: (laughs) Me and my flying monkeys are so glad to see.
3: (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, we're back.
6: (laughs) So after burying the 20 messengers and their boat alive in her nice new ditch... (laughs) Olga sent a message to Prince Maul, and mm-hmm. she told him she was happy to come to him and be his wife. Nothing would make her more pleased. <laughs> but he basically had sent a bunch of peons with his proposal. Right. And she's like, you should send me all of the most distinguished men of your court so she could, quote, go to their prince with due honor. Yeah. Give me a little bit of respect on my name. Right, right, I'm Olga right. Kiev. And so the Drevlians had no idea that she had killed their first diplomatic party. Right. So in, the they... <laughs> le-
3: in the letter, she's like, all your, all those peons you sent, they're hanging out here having a great time. Mm-hmm. They all- got
6: them involved in some gardening.
3: <laughs> yeah. They're really digging it here.
6: <gasps> Oops. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. So they went at, they're like, great. This is all working out. So they went ahead and gathered a bunch of their governing men together and sent them on to Olga And these men, when they showed up, were told that she had arranged for them to have a luxurious soak in their finest bathhouse. Oh, no. And they'd be able to see her after they had bathed. And the nobles all filed into the bathhouse, where the doors were promptly locked, and then set on fire, and everyone inside burned to death. Oh,
3: my God. (laughs) Here's my question. And she
6: probably was laughing and clapping her hands and like... (laughs)
3: Dancing on the Dancing ditch. Dancing
6: around outside. Yeah, <laughs> She's like, how do you like me now?
3: My, my question, uh, Speculation Station, that bathhouse must have pissed her off too. Because she she burned down a bathhouse oh, in the process. Right? So maybe she went there and like stubbed her toe or something. And was like, ooh, I'm going to get you a bathhouse.
6: Ooh, one day. I <laughs> they were know.
3: like, they ran out of hot water while she was in the shower once. She's like, that's it.
6: We're done here.
3: <laughs> I'm going to, one day. That'll find good reason to burn you down.
6: <laughs> she's personally offended by so many <laughs> she is, things. <laughs> she's
3: reactionary. So then Olga sent another message to the Drevlians telling them that she was going to come to their capital city, Iskorosten, where Igor was killed, and that they should, quote, prepare great quantities of mead that I may weep over his grave and hold a funeral feast for him, which was the tradition in their pagan religion. Mm-hmm. So she arrived with a small group of attendants and did, in fact, weep. They did hold the funeral feast, but the Trevelians joined in with her. She said, "Everyone, come out. We have a nice, this is a time of celebration and mourning. Let's all set aside our differences and come together."
6: It's a party. More yes. the merrier.
3: Yes. Yes. Uh, in fact, your friends are back at my city, uh, <laughs> just having a nice hot bath right now. <laughs> So they all come out and they party with them and they start drinking the mead and drinking and drinking and drinking. And I imagine Olga is like pouring hers out in the the flower pot somewhere (laughs) like, oh, this is very good.
6: Mm, Delicious.
3: Because the Drevlians got plastered. And once they were too tipsy to know any better, she ordered her followers to slaughter them. And according to the primary chronicle, quote, one about herself egging on her retinue to the massacre of the Drevlians. It claims that 5,000 Drevlians were killed this night.
6: (laughs) She's walking around like, that was a great stab, Volodya. Let us try it again on this guy. But this time, get his crotch, then his heart. (laughs) Oh, my
3: God. Yeah, she was having a grand old time. Mm -hmm. Part of the the most... Entertaining funeral Kievrus had ever seen.
6: A lot more funerals, I guess, to be yeah. had after that funeral. You piece. know what
3: they say. One funeral begets 5,000 more. <laughs> Old Russian saying.
6: Yeah, her movie is four funerals and a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> four fu-
3: one funeral and 5,000 funerals.
6: <laughs> that's her. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> so Olga's body count's pretty high at this point. Yeah. Okay, you'd think maybe she felt like her thirst for revenge was finally slaked. Uh-huh. But no, she is still not through with these Drevlians. Oof. She head on back to Kiev to get her army together for a proper fuckabout. <laughs> She's like, this time you're going to know I'm coming and why. Uh-huh. And her initial attack went really, really well. They won handily. They drove all the Drevlians back to their cities. And all those cities pledged loyalty to Kievan Rus. Sure.
3: Like this girl is crazy. Okay.
6: Yeah. They're like, listen, we lost fair and square. <laughs> here's your stuff. Please leave me alone. Yes. (laughs) I'm so scared of you. I
3: will not come over. No, thank you.
6: (laughs) She's like, can I send you a message? Please don't. No. (laughs) Anytime you send me a message, something terrible happens. She,
3: like, tries to give someone something nice. Yeah. Like, (laughs) here's a nice loaf of bread. And they're like, "Uh, I don't want to touch it. Ah, Uh -uh."
6: It's poisoned. There's a bomb in it. I don't know. definitely a bomb in it. (laughs) So that all went great. And then she marched on the capital city, Iskorosten, And laid siege to it. Mm. And this was not as easily done. Olga's army and the Drevlians were in a standoff that lasted a full year. Mm. Well, and obviously that was not going to work for Olga, right? She's not trying to sit around for a year. She has shit to do. Yeah. (laughs) So she put her twisted mind to work and thought of a trick to play on the Drevlians. She sent them a message. (laughs) They should never accept a message. Never accept a message from Olga. She sent them a message saying, quote, Why do you persist in holding out? All of your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute, so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace. But you had the rather tide of hunger without submitting to tribute. Mm. And the Drevlians were like, Actually, we would submit to tribute, but we feel like you're still mad about the whole ripping your husband in half thing, and you're just going to kill us. They're like,
3: fool me once. I
6: know. <laughs> fool me twice.
3: Burn me, Lock me in a bathhouse and burn it down.
6: Shame on Shame me. Shame on me. Uh, kill 5,000 of us drunk as hell after after a funeral. Shame on Shame me. Shame
3: on me again. But not of, again. <laughs> a lot of shames on me lately.
6: <laughs> I feel like I've had enough. <laughs> and Olga's like, oh, no, have no fear. When I murdered all your diplomats, and then when I murdered a bunch more during my husband's funeral. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> well, anyway, that was plenty for me. I'm all good now. No worries. And if the Drevlians really were ready to pay up, she said the tribute must be three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. Okay. Okay. Like an OG 12 days of Christmas. (laughs) And she's like, send me 28 birds now. Right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And the Drevlians, history's greatest fools, (laughs) were like, hey, Oh, she said she's done. She's uh-huh. had enough. We're good. She's happy. This is great. If there's one thing I know about bloodthirsty killers, it's that eventually they've had enough. <laughs> so instead of massacring us or letting us starve inside our capital or asking for an enormous tribute that would totally impoverish us, all she wants is some birds. Like, this oh, is great. Fantastic. We got birds for days. Nothing to worry about. So every house in Iskorosten sent their six birds to Olga. And they probably went to bed feeling safe for the first time in a year because the standoff was over. hmm But <laughs> they were fooled. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Guess <because> what? <laughs> here's, here's, here's Olga's twisted plan this time. She, she takes up all these birds and she has her army take every bird and they would tie like a long string and at the end of it was a piece of sulfur with like a cloth wrapped around it. This was tied to the bird's leg. And that night, they set the sulfur on fire, and then they set the birds free. The birds are freaking out. They've got like a piece of fire tied to their legs, right. so they're flying their asses back home. Mm-hmm. They all go back to where they came from. And every sparrow and pigeon returned to their nests in Iskorosten, setting everything in the city on fire. Primary Chronicle says, quote, There was not a house that was not consumed, and it was impossible to extinguish the flames because all the houses caught fire at once.
6: As plans go, this is hella diabolical. This is nuts.
3: And of course, some Drevlians were able to flee once Mm -hmm. they realized, oh, everything's burning and I better get the hell out of here. But Olga, she ain't no fool. Mm -hmm. She had her soldiers lying in wait outside the city and they just either executed or captured everyone who went running Mm -hmm. and, you know, took the took the prisoners as slaves for Olga's followers. And any drevlian left over after this devastating attack was allowed to pay tribute. (laughs)
6: She's like, and you're welcome.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And she went back to Kiev, triumphant.
6: The revenge scheme here is so insane. Like, she was literally like, you killed one of us, so now all y'all are dead. Oh, yeah. All your birds are dead, all your houses dead, Uh all your people dead. I don't want to hear another fucking thing about a Drevlian ever again. She
3: came for the birds.
6: She came for everything. (laughs) And so Olga continued to rule Kievan Rus because her son was still too young to do it himself. Mm-hmm. So she instituted some changes. Sure. She established boundary posts, trading posts, hunting areas, and towns across the empire, which kind of was like the first time anyone was marking their territory in this permanent way. Oh, you know, yeah, she sure. was establishing real boundaries. Yeah. She also changed the process of pollugia, which was how rulers collected the tributes from their various subjugated nations. Mm. Byzantine sources relate that the regent would leave the capital in the winter, they'd travel the empire and collect cash, goods, and slaves as Uh tributes uh until they returned to the capital in April. And that happened every year. Right. But Igor had shown unnecessary greed by demanding additional tributes from the Drevlians. And naturally, after he was torn in two, Olga's a little (laughs) less interested in the old ways of doing shit. (laughs) She's She's like, like, "Mm, Didn't work out too well for you. Yeah, there's room for improvement. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So she appointed her own officials to do that collecting for her, kind right. of like uh, tax collectors. I yeah. Guess. And it, it makes sense to me because it's like if a bureaucrat goes to the Drevlians yeah. and is like, give me a tribute and they kill him, that doesn't really put the kingdom at risk. We
3: got tons more bureaucrats. Yeah, we'll just keep sending them. Plenty of them. Yeah. We
6: got bodies for days. Uh-huh. We don't have ki- you know princes for days. Right. So it actually that put them in. In danger of a coup. Right. You know, again, they were like, if we marry Olga, now it's Drevlians are in charge of the right. whole freaking place. Um, and a bureaucrat, that wouldn't work out. Also, a bureaucrat, unlike Igor, wouldn't have a personal connection to uh-huh. these tributes. So maybe would not get butt hurt halfway home and turn around and then get brutally murdered. Go ask for more, yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, anyway, I feel like this is going to work out great.
3: She's like, if anybody's getting ripped in half, it ain't going to be me.
6: Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be some, some patsy. Uh, yeah, some idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is considered the first legal reform recorded in Eastern Europe. Oh, okay. So pretty cool.
3: She also dodged multiple marriage proposals to save the power of the throne for her son. So it, it wasn't like there's no more romance to this story. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just romance that she was shooting down left and right. Yeah. And at some point, Olga became interested in this idea of Christianity. This religious fervor would eventually get her a meeting with Emperor Constantine Seventh of Constantinople. And it would also put her at odds with her son. And eventually, this would change the entire country of Russia. Mm-hmm. Let's find out more about that right after this.
1: or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow.
4: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink
6: Dobropajalovit, everyone. <laughs> that means welcome back. There you go. Probably terribly pronounced. Sorry, Russia.
3: <laughs> well, sometime in the nine fifties, Olga traveled to Constantinople to meet with Constantine the Seventh who apparently was very taken with her. He found her, quote, fair of countenance and wise as well. Mm. Pretty and smart. Wow. Oh,
6: this is another Heloise.
3: <laughs> he told her that she was, quote, worthy to reign with him in his city, according to the Primary Chronicle, which may have meant that he was interested in marrying her, possibly just to gain power over the Kievan Rus. Right. But Olga was, you know, she was more savvy than these Emperors, these old stodgy boys. Mm
6: -hmm. (laughs) These old stodgy boys. She was
3: fresh. She was smart. She was ruthless. (laughs) And she loved to murder. (laughs) (laughs) She wanted to be baptized, but she also wanted to maintain her political independence and keep her country out of the Byzantine Empire. Mm -hmm. So she told Constantine that she was still pagan and she wanted to convert and be baptized by the emperor himself. After he baptized her with the name Helena, he proposed marriage. But she said, oh, oh, no. Oh, we can't do that. It, look, it says right here, church law says that a godfather can't marry his goddaughter. That would be spiritual incest. Ooh, oh, my sorry. Gosh, my bad. Should have read that first, I guess. Jeez, you know, we should really pay more attention when we make decisions. <laughs> and Constantine replied, quote, Olga? You have outwitted me.
6: <laughs> he knew that was bullshit. <laughs> he was said, like, you damn. knew that shit first. That's why you asked for me <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to baptize you, mm, you sneaky wench.
3: But he uh, he seemed to respect it. He had no hard feelings. He gave her a bunch of gifts of gold, silver, silks, and vases, and he let her go home. He still called her his daughter. So they always had this cute thing. Oh, daughter, remember when I proposed to you? <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, Father, I do remember. It was very creepy.
3: Uh, this is a very different Godfather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and your classic uh. Godfather. <laughs>
6: Um, here again, we meet with a little bit of historical controversy. Ah, uh, classic. Um, some people have argued that this is our friend Nestor the monk having a little fun in his primary chronicle and making shit up, kind of like uh-huh. Leo the deacon. Okay. He just wanted a better story. So he's like, how about if she outwitted Constantine? Yeah. Because Olga was definitely baptized by Constantine in 957. And apparently at that time, he already had an empress, so it's... Would be very unusual for him to be proposing marriage to oh, someone okay, else. Okay. There's also indications that she was actually already baptized in Kiev in 955, and this was like a second baptism.
3: Oh, well, speculation emperor. station. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if she was already baptized and she just pretended she wasn't? Yeah. Just to get so he wasn't even really technically spiritually her godfather.
6: <gasps> True, and she was she like, she was but
3: just tricking him. But
6: you are so whoopsie mm, doodle. Uh huh. Yeah. Double that's, trick. That's probably what maybe
3: was. maybe. Look, it's a fun story. I like to believe the fun stories in history. I know it, that's what especially like, when it doesn't matter now. <laughs>
6: it know? really, yeah. No one is alive to be hurt by these rumors. <laughs> 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 so I think it's a fun story, and I'm I'm personally am going to decide it's true. There I you heard go. it here first.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but her baptism, whenever it did happen, it marked an important historic turning point for the region. Olga went home a Christian. Though not the first Christian in Rus by any means. Igor's court had several Christians in 945, but Olga was the most powerful person in Rus to convert. And like many Christians, she was also ready to proselytize and start converting others. Mm -hmm. She started naturally with her son, Sviatoslav, but he was totally not into it. Mm -mm. Uh, He was a soldier and he wasn't really particularly interested in doing the administration work of ruling a nation, but he was very interested in expanding it. And he spent pretty much all his time battling with neighboring states with his company of warriors, or Druzina.
6: Druzina. It sounds so much more like it is threatening. Yeah, warlike.
3: If I, if I, if I hope they chanted it. I hope a bunch of army of soldiers <laughs> stomped up and went, slammed their spears <laughs> down and went. Druzina.
6: Druzina. Apparently it means company, so that would be funny. <laughs> in English, they're like, company. You're like, are
3: you talking about the musical theater
6: show? I know. It. I love that show. Oh, my God. Are you guys about to do it now? Let me get some popcorn. Whereas
3: an army of musical theater people are way more likely to walk up and stomp and all chant the name of their show in unison.
6: <laughs> That's so true. Much less intimidating. Though. <laughs> Very non-threatening.
3: <laughs> But the primary chronicle says that he didn't bring any wagons or kettles with him or even a tent. When he was traveling with the Druzina, he would spread out a horse blanket and lay his head on his saddle, just like everyone else. He thought that the other soldiers would make fun of him if he became a Christian. He was very into like being on their level Mm -hmm. and making sure everybody thought he was cool and he didn't want to lose their respect. That was that was totally the most important thing to him.
6: I mean well and if you're commanding an army oh, yeah. and they don't respect you. Exactly. We all know how that turns out. Right. And it's you did. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And it was very you know, to to the manly soldiers of the time, it was very dorky to convert mm. to Christianity. Yeah. So Olga was like, but if you do it, they'll do it because you're their leader. Mm -hmm. So everybody will be Christian and it'll be the cool thing to do. You know, be a trendsetter. Yeah, she was like,
6: use your influence and Uh make them all convert.
3: (laughs) But he was, you know, you know, boys, he was like, mom, (laughs) you don't understand. Like, these guys would never convert. And if I do, they'll call me a mama's boy. But, you know, Olga, she wasn't having it. She like... She totally youth pastored her chair, turned it around backwards, <laughs> sat down and said, you know who else was a mama's boy? Jesus
6: Christ. <laughs> and then some fun pop music started to
1: play,
5: <laughs>
6: so you knew it was cool.
1: <sighs>
6: but that did not work. Uh, Svjetoslav was not down to clown with Christianity. Oh. It didn't matter how many fun dance numbers she came up with or whatever. <laughs> so he stayed a pagan. But thanks to her influence, he did say that he would not persecute any Christians or anybody who converted to Christianity.
3: Oh, okay. And that
6: was a pretty significant concession at the time. Yeah,
3: sure, sure.
6: And despite a lack of interest and sometimes outright hostility from her people, Olga built churches in Kiev and other cities, and she did get some people to convert. She even went to the Holy Roman Emperor Otto in 959 and asked him to appoint a bishop and priests in Rus so that they'd be like part of, you know, the whole Christian system. Yeah. And she was, you know, she's up to her tricks again (laughs) uh, with this idea because she kind of thought that the Byzantine priests would convert more people in Rus' if they had a little competition from oh, the West, yeah, from okay, Rome. Okay. Like, they'd be like, oh, well, we want to make more Christians than they get. Yeah. So if they come in with Roman people, maybe that'll light they a put, fire under their ass.
3: They put like two little thermometers up on a cork board.
6: <laughs> yeah, and, and like, they were like, who can 5,000? <laughs> but two years later, when the bishop and priest finally got to Kiev Kievan Rus', They were quickly expelled by pagan allies of Sviatoslav, and they went back to Rome without having made much headway. Ah, okay. Just kind of empty-handed. No souls for for the Lord. Sorry.
3: (laughs) But though Sviatoslav had taken over by this point, as we said, he wasn't really very interested in administrating. Mm -hmm. So while he was out on countless military campaigns, Olga remained in Kiev with her grandchildren, still with her hand on the wheel. Oh, you, yes, you go ahead, son. You go play in your little army battles. Mm-hmm. I will handle things here.
6: <laughs> I mean, I guess if, I, if Olga was my mother, oh, I, yeah. I'd be like, Mother, you've been doing such a good job, but why would I take it away from you? <laughs> you fill out all the paperwork, I go out and I uh-huh. bang a sword together. It'll be great.
3: Try not to murder... Too many people while I'm gone.
6: <laughs> but if you do, oh well. <laughs> it's I,
3: I trust your judgment. I'm
6: sure they had it coming. <laughs>
3: uh, it reminds me very much of Emperor Caracalla, who we talked about in our episode about the Empress Elagabalus, uh, uh, yeah. who also left his mom in charge when he went off to war and stuff.
6: Isn't that and funny? She did a great job. Th- these men were like, yeah. <laughs> Feeding people, Uh keeping the shit off the streets.
3: Paperwork.
6: No thanks. Mom! (laughs) Can you do
3: my paperwork? I (gasps) want to go play battle wars. (laughs) Basically. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But while Olga was at the helm in 968 and Sviatoslav was off defeating Bulgarian ruler Boris II and occupying all of northern Bulgaria the Byzantine Empire bribed the Peshinigs to lay siege to Kiev. Rus's allies beat back the army, and Olga wrote a reproachful letter to Sviatoslav, probably saying something like, oh, you're, you know, you're out there fighting with Bulgaria, and meanwhile, the Byzantines are making a fool out of you in your own backyard. <laughs> She's like, oh, come on, I, I set fire to the entire city of Iskorosten. <laughs> I didn't do that just for you to play games and and have your ass shown here back home. <laughs> Get the dinner. She's ringing the dinner bell. Yeah. She's like, Sviatoslav, yeah. come home now. It's way past your defending the city time. <laughs> so he hot-footed it back to Kiev and soundly defeated the Peshinegs. And they did continue to threaten Kiev, but at least he showed him what's what.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then he decided that he wanted to move the capital from Kiev to Periaslavets, which is the center of the empire because it had this great potential to become a trading hub. Oh, sure, yeah. He explained that to Periaslavets, quote, all the riches flow, gold, silks, wine, and various fruits from Greece, silver and horses from Hungary and Bohemia, and from Rus', furs, wax, honey, and slaves. But Olga, who was in poor health, pleaded with him to delay his move until she died which was only three days later. Oh, wow. So she basically made it through this siege, Mm -hmm. got him to come home, and then perished, essentially. And Sviatoslav wept for her, of course, as his mother. And even though he didn't really respect her religion, he did respect her dying wishes to have a priest pray over her body instead of throwing the traditional pagan funeral feast. Oh, okay. And I wonder if she was kind of like, you know, I... (laughs) <laughs> the one I threw for Igor, nothing could compare. <laughs> I think it, any party would be flat after that. So yeah. <laughs> let's just go with a regular one. Send me Aretha flowers.
3: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the time that she spent with her grandchildren, that paid off too, because although Olga wasn't able to convert Rus to Christianity in her lifetime, her grandson Vladimir came to power in 980. After you know, classic. Power achieving stuff like some good old fashioned fratricide. Mm-hmm. He was forced to flee to Scandinavia, and then he got a collab going with Norway, and they all came back and took the throne for him. Mm-hmm. And then in 988, he converted to Christianity and made it the national religion. So he's thinking about Grandma and her religion, and was right. like, you know, that worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, I actually saw in a in a TED Ed talk by Alex Gendler that. Vladimir considered many religions. He had his people go out and explore all these nearby religions to see it was time to change. And they wanted to do something else. And they came back and told him about Islam. And he was like, this sounds pretty good. And they said, and also alcohol is forbidden. And he said, nope, Nope. (laughs) never mind. Not doing that uh, one.
6: (laughs) This is Ruth and all we drink is vodka. So (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about.
3: So that's pretty much how he settled on Christianity, on grandma's old religion.
6: That's so funny.
3: But it was thanks to Olga's proselytizing influence that the Russian Orthodox Church exists at all. Mm -hmm. So in 1547, 600 years after her death, they made Olga a saint, the patron saint of widows and converts.
6: Yeah. So if you're a widow and you've decided to lay siege to a whole city (laughs) and burn a bunch of people alive, make sure to send some prayers (laughs) to (laughs) to Olga. Olga, Olga that all your plans go perfectly.
3: (laughs) They are like, let's not make her the patron saint of birds Mm, or thatched roof cottages.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, is Olga Trogdor the burninator?
3: Olga is the burninator. She She burninated the countryside. the
6: countryside.
3: (laughs) Oh man, I hope some of you are too young to get that joke.
6: I know, right? Oh my God. Um, That was the website though.
3: Oh, Homestar. Wow, wow. What an insane story.
6: Do you think after killing all of those people that she heard about Christianity and was like, oh, really? So all I have to do is say, oh, I'm sorry that I did that. And then I get to go to paradise. This is great news for me. He
3: said, I just tell you and you forgive me. That's it. That's it? Like, oh, uh, sometimes I have to say a Hail Mary. Oh, no. Okay, I guess so. Cool. And then I can do this over and over again.
6: I just keep coming back. (laughs) If I kill 5,000 more
3: people, I just have to tell you.
6: Right. And Mm. God says, okay, you're good. This is
3: pretty good for me.
6: Red religion. (laughs) Everything. And we
3: can drink, we can drink, right? Oh,
6: red, okay. In fact, there's wine in the church. (laughs) This is perfect for us.
3: (laughs) You know, you can start to see the appeal (laughs) To someone like Olga. Wow, she's yeah. She's like,
6: I need the power of forgiveness in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any for you, but I'd like some for right. myself. <laughs> right,
3: Maybe afterwards she's like, you know, I have grown a lot since mm-hmm. those days. Yeah. I'm Christian now. I forgive mm. you.
6: <laughs> I forgive
3: you. This is one of those stories. I love that it's not, the romance is not the story. It's the instigator, mm. you know. Yeah. It was, it was her uh, her husband's execution that got her. All riled up.
6: She was pissed, and she was
3: pissed. Uh, Obviously, I mean, who knows how she felt about him at a, as a fifteen-year-old for this sixty-five-year-old man, right? But, uh, but she certainly took it personally. It she was did. a wrong done to her, to her home mm-hmm. and her country, mm-hmm. and she said, "I've got some ideas, and I'll tell you what." you give a teenage girl that much power and she will lay waste okay. to entire civilizations
6: <laughs> I was like she was only 17 <laughs> 18 years old when she did all this to the dreadly <laughs> ends. like she's just a kid yeah and she was like you know what not only am I going to kill the shit out of y'all but I'm going to do it in the most creative fucked up ways that I can think of because y'all be fucking with this birch tree Yeah. and you thought you thought that you found the most brutal but guess <laughs> what I'm also very creative. <laughs> you know,
3: when you're at that age, you just your imagination is really so running true. wild.
6: So
3: it's a really magical time. You should really be discovering yourself. And I think right. she discovered think some she things did. about herself. She
6: did some very important yes. things. Wow. But yeah, she was just real canny and savvy. Like even right. later on in life being like, hmm, let me think about how to get these priests more interested in my people and converting right. my people. Or let right. me see, you know, like she just had... She's a Trixie. Uh-huh. She's Trixie. And I wonder, too, like, like you said, we don't know if she cared particularly for Igor right. or not. So I wonder if she took it as a personal insult, like you said, to her house or to her country, or if she was like, y'all think, really, y'all think you could just send me a letter? And I'll just come on, trip on over and marry your prince and whatever. Like, you really thought that. Okay. (laughs) Uh Okay. Let me learn you a little something about (laughs) Olga of Kiev.
3: (laughs) I'm going to teach you a lesson that no one will be around to remember.
6: I know, but (laughs) they'll remember it. (laughs) They they will sing songs of my revenge for generations.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah, also fascinating to me, it really... Now I'm not a Christian person myself, but no. like we said, it really does show the power of forgiveness because this woman brutally I mean slaughtered countless people <laughs> and now she's a saint. <laughs> she I mean. she is she has the same title as Mother Teresa. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what a what a turn.
6: I know. I mean, I kind of love it though. It's hard to root for a murderer like that, I guess. She's really but it's so diabolical and I guess it is kind of funny to think about them being so arrogant, like, oh, we'll just tell her to marry our guys and it'll be no big deal. Oh, yeah. And then her being just turning the tables so hard on them. Oh, yeah. It's kind of awesome while also being not cool. It's just it's
3: <laughs> distant enough.
6: Right. You know? Right. And imagine if she had not changed to Christianity. I wonder if Vladimir would have taken a different and then Russia would not be Christian hard at all. Say. Like if it would be it, yeah, like Islamic or whatever, I don't know, Shinto, yeah. I don't know.
3: Right, right. That'd be
6: so funny, a, Bo- a Buddhist Russia, what what would that be like? I
3: don't know if it'd be funny, but it'd definitely be different.
6: <laughs> well.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think Buddhism and Russia, and I'm not getting a comedic vibe.
6: I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess
1: not.
3: <sighs> well, I hope that this episode gives you the, the determination and the fire to take into the new year. Yeah. That you need to, you know, Really right some wrongs, really change some minds. Um, try not to burn anyone's village down, right? but just take the the energy that Olga had maybe in with you to the new year. Yeah. Um, minus the violence, just the determination. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. you
6: know, if you've done some terrible things in your past, <laughs> there's possibly a way to turn a corner. Sure. And yeah. still be cool. Yeah, and become a saint, right? <laughs> Six hundred years after you die. <laughs> Who knows? That's what we learned from Olga of Kiev. We
3: did, and I think it's a great, uh, a great lesson to close out the year. Yeah, we could call it a lesson. Sure,
6: there's something. <laughs> I will say, um, I heard this of this story from a great episode of Noble Blood, which is another great. Oh podcast. yeah, Dana
3: Schwartz, Dana Schwartz, and fantastic. Uh, Aaron Menke.
6: Mm-hmm. Right, very good uh, show, and then my mother, uh, Janice. Also reached out like a few months ago. Like, oh, oh nice. you should do this Lady Olga. She's crazy. Ah, oh, that's awesome. So I want to say thanks, Mom. That was a good. <laughs> <laughs> I already had her because of that episode. I was like, oh, this lady went nuts after her husband died. Oh, but that's I cool. was still glad to get it as a, su- as a suggestion. I'm
3: going to have to listen to that noble blood because uh, Dana tells a good story.
6: She does. Yeah, yeah I like her a lot. Yeah. She's got such a good voice. Yeah. She's a good writer. And so.
3: hilarious on Twitter.
6: Very true. Yeah.
3: Um. So that's awesome. I hope you all enjoyed this one. Yeah. Let us know what you thought, of course. Nothing uh, like
6: ending out the year with some bloody revenge.
3: Exactly. So reach out to us. Tell us what you thought. Um, Tell us about your year. Tell us what you what you think about moving forward into 2022. Mm-hmm. And share your stories of revenge with us. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe we'll please. read them on the air. And we... Can't wait to see you again. Of course, you can email us, at romance at iheartmedia.com.
6: Right, or we're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Diana Boom.
3: And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli.
6: And the show is at Ridic Romance.
3: Thank you again for listening. Thank you for spending a good chunk of this year with us. We yeah. got many more episodes to come in the coming year. And we will see you next week, next year even.
6: Whoa, next year. You see you? next year.
3: <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a good one.
6: Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous
5: Romance.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
6: is going on a road trip. I thought...
5: Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey there. I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments, Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.